the king has an obligation to write a second sefer for himself besides the sefer he writes for himself as a, as a Jew resulting in having two sefer explain these, these mitzvahs in these chapters Perik Rishon Halacha Aleph. Abra Paishes Eilis four passages. Shehein Kadosh Li Vayikaviyacha Hashem. Shemasefer Elve Shemais. The passage that starts with the word Kadosh Li and Vayikaviyacha in the book of Shemais, as opposed to passages which be, which begin with those same words elsewhere. Ushma Vayim Shemaya. And as well as Shema Vayim Shemaya. Hein Shechtovus with the Atzim. They are the ones that are written by themselves. Mechapen Eisam Be'er. They are covered with leather. Nikrain Tfilin, they're called Tfilin. Mnichan Esal Reish, they're placed on the head. Nikrain Esal Yad, and they're tied on the hand. The word Tfilin is explained to mean multiple things, a sign of distinction, and some other translations as well. Even if there's one tip of one letter in these four pashas missing, Ma'akiv is called Matera, it prevents the whole entire thing being valid. Until all the letters are written in their proper form and proper manner. Again, the Ram interestingly writes that he mentions putting on the Tfilin Shoresh before Tfilin Shoyad, even though one is required to put on the hand Tfilin before the head Tfilin, and that's the order they are in the Pasuk. So, as we mentioned in the introduction, the Ram also mentions the mitzvah of Tfilin Shoresh before Shoyad as he lists the mitzvahs. And many times throughout Hilchus Tfilin, we'll see he mentions Shoresh before the Shoyad. The reason for that is, as explained in the Kutesiches, because the content of the Book of Ava are the mitzvahs that we must do constantly to remember and Hashem and love Hashem. And the mitzvah of Tzilin Shoresh is a more constant mitzvah than Tzilin Shoyad. The reason is because the mitzvah of Tzilin Shoresh is a mitzvah every second that you're wearing it on your head. The fact that it's there is the mitzvah. Tzilin Shoyad, the hand Tzilin, is only a mitzvah the moment you do the tying. Once it's there, that's no longer the mitzvah. It's a requirement but the mitzvah per se is the behavior of tying it, which takes just one moment. So therefore, tefillin shalresh is a more uh, uh, ongoing, constant mitzvah, and therefore takes precedence over shayad in the nature of the book of Abba. Halacha base. The chen shtei parashas mezuzah, the two passages in the mezuzah. Shen shemav v'hayim shemoyah, which are shemav v'hayim shemoyah, afilu es achas mishah parashas, even if one letter of these two parashas. Ibn chasar kaitza is missing, or if its tip is missing, its point is missing. It biblically prevents it from being kashrat. Unless all parashas are written perfectly, completely. The chen shefeter shechista filus achas pasul similarly shefeter it's missing even one letter is also invalid. There are ten halachas regarding tefillin, which are all tradition from Meishah Beinu Hasinai. They're not written in Torah. And they all are crucial. If, they, if they're not done, they prevent it from being kosher. Therefore, if you change any one of them, at least ten are tefillin, but are not kosher. 
they're invalid. There's two details in the writing. And the other eight have to do with wrapping the tefillin in the in the uh, putting it in their in their in their compartments of leather and tying the straps. These are the two halachas in the writing. They must be written with ink. They're written on parchment. How is the parchment made? You collect the uh, vapor of various kinds of oils by burning the oil and then having glass on top of it and the vapor collects from the glass and you collect the, uh, the, uh, the residue. Or if you don't have oil, you can use tar, or wax, anything else of that nature. And then you knead it together with sap from a tree, with some honey. You moisten it, you moisten it extensively. You crush it until it's formed into flat cakes. Then you dry it, and then it's stored away. It's like a, a, a concentrate, so to speak. When you want to write the tefillin, or any or or mezuzah you have to soak it in gallnut juice or anything else of that nature. Uh, gallnut juice is significant because if you use, uh, it, first of all, it gives the ink a lasting quality. Um, uh, if you used water, then the ink would fade much more easily. Um, okay. The case of you write with it. If you will erase it, it's possible to be erased. So you want to have it that it can it will last. It shouldn't fade by itself. Otherwise, of course, the sefer will not be kosher. You also want to be possible to erase if the need arises. This is the the, the ink. That that's the it's the ideal mitzvah to write with it. Sefer Torahs, Tefillin Mezuzas, the cost of Shloshim Me'atzvah, If you write it, however, with uh, gallnut juice. Uh, uh, by itself, or concantum, which is um, kind of sulfuric, a sulfuric acid, which is made from uh, rusted metal, which uh, which is uh, permanent, it's not getting erased. Shem, it's still kosher. If that's the case, that's still kosher. What is this halacha that tells us it has to be used with dioy? Uh, come to teach us if anything can be used anyway. Shenemer says, excuse me, that it's much to be used this kind of ink, and here we're saying that you can use something else also. The Rambam answer is is to tell you what's ideal. Uh, sorry, it also tells you that uh, that that's that that's ideal. But other inks are kosher as well. But here's what's not kosher: other kind of colors. For example, uh, red, bayaric, and green case of pen, or any other color. If you write the potato fill the mezuzah with any other kind of uh, letter, uh, excuse me, color, or, or, or with gold, so then they are possible. Vav, shalosh aris there are three types of parchment. Gvil, klaf, and These are three types of parchments, and we'll explain them one at a time. Ketad haso, you take the skin of a domesticated animal or, or a wild animal, like a, like a cow or a deer, first you remove the hair. After you remove the hair, you treat it with salt. Then you work it with uh, with uh, with leather with uh, with flour. Then afterwards with uh, again the gallnut juice or resin as it's translated. Anything else of that nature which causes the leather the skin to contract. It strengthens it because it becomes harder. That's what you call the parchment called gvil. Now. 
If, however, after you move the hair, you take this parchment, this skin, sorry, not the skin, the parchment, the skin, then you divide it in two, you peel it, peel it into two, I've done an asin as is done by the uh, parchment processors. Add to the point that you have two kinds of you have two layers of skin. one is more thin. That's on the side where the hair was. And another one which is more thick. That's on the side where the flesh was. And you worked it with salt, and afterwards with flour. And afterwards, after you after you separating it, you work and you do work with the, with these things. You you treat it with the gallnut juice. The part which is which the thinner part was closer to the uh, uh, the, the, the the hair is called cloth, and the part which is on the side of the flesh is called duchsustus. It's interesting to note that um, some of some editions of the Rambam, some manuscripts. Actually, reverse the definitions of what's called klaf and duchsustus, and they say the exact opposite. That the part which is on the side of the hair is called duchsustus, and the part which is on the flesh is called klaf. But our edition of the Rambam, it's not that way. It's the it's the opposite. In our edition of the Rambam, the side of the, which is on by the hair is called klaf, and the one which is on the which was which was initially touching this the flesh itself is called duchsustus. It's a tradition from Meishah ben Har Sinai, oral tradition. She you case sevet agvil sevet written on the gvil. It's written in the place of the hair, so the side that is on the that was that was uh, uh, so you write it on the um, on the on the parchment called gvil, which is the one that um, the thick one, and it's written on the side that uh, where the hair was on the outside. Shukayshin it's filling out cloth and tefillish written on the cloth, which is the, uh, the 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 thin parchment. That when when the part when the clot when the skin is separated, it's the one that's on the outside, uh, close to the hair and uh, on the hair side of the of the uh, of the skin. So we have the hair side of the part of the of the skin. We have the flesh side of the skin. Tefillin should written on the cloth, but because you the but it's written on the inside on the part that was uh, when you peel it off. It, the two parts that are peeled apart, there's the, the the inside that's neither touching the actual skin or the actual flesh. That part is the most smooth, and that's where you should write the uh, whatever you're writing. So in this case, it's filling. I've written on the uh, cloth, but on the on the hair on the on the flesh side. but mezuzah is written, however, on the which is the the part of the parchment that was on the flesh side. but it's written on the but it's written on the hair side of the skin. So the part that was not touching the flesh. Again, the thin part. Excuse me, the smooth part. Where the two skin layers were touching each other, that's the smoothest part. That's the smoother side of the parchment. If you write cloth on the on the side of the hair, or you cut the gvil, the chusus is or you write on gvil the chusus on the on the side with of the of the flesh. Puzzle in both those instances is not kosher. Even though that's the halacha mishmisinai, that's the chachila in kosher. If you tell all cloth. If you write sefer Torah on on the cloth, kosher, it's kosher. So in other words, what we said though before is in the previous halacha is b'diavad not kosher if you write in the wrong places. Now what about writing the sefer Torah the mezuzah on that type of parchment specifically? So we're saying if you write sefer Torah on a cloth, it's kosher. Even though it says gvil, the ideal is that it has to be gvil but not tuchsustus. A cloth is kosher as well. Shukasev love a sefer puzzle. If you write a sefer Torah on the it's not kosher. 
If mezuzah is written on cloth and gvil, it's also kosher. The chusus is only the ideal. It's it's a So really, you could write mezuzah on any kind of cloth you want, but lechatchila it should be only written on the chusus. You may not write to fill in on the skin of a non kosher animal. You write on the skin of a kosher animal. Even though the animal died naturally or was uh, was, was uh, killed by a, uh, another animal in the sense that it was not shechted, it, it died without being shechted properly, so you cannot eat it. Nevertheless, even though you can't eat the flesh, the species is kosher, and one may use it for tefillin. And if it's in case of agave you may not write on the skin of a of a fish, even though it's kosher. Because of the uh, of the uh, uh, residue, the secretions, because no matter how much you process the skin of fish, it'll never stop secreting this. Uh, you never completely get never get to completely stop secreting this uh, foul fish uh, 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 liquid or resi- residue, and uh, therefore it's not uh, it's not kosher for that reason. This raises an interesting question. And nowadays, with chemicals, if it is possible to stop that secretion, can one then use skin of a fish for sifatayda? Okay, halachi alf. Gvil sifatayda, the gvil, the parchment of gvil that's used for sifatayda, the cloth shall fill the shell and the cloth for fill or sifatayda. Tarach la'avadis lishman, they must be worked in the process of changing it from raw skin into writable parchment. It must be done for the sake of this mitzvah. If you do, if it's done, it's done to make a random parchment to sell for people to write on. Psulin, then it's not kosher. Therefore, even akusi psulin, if it's processed by a goy, the Rambam writes kusi, uh, which either means a goy or it's likely that the manuscript of the Rambam says goy and the censorship, the censorship changes to kusi. In any event, if a, if a goy does it, it, it is possible. Even though we're telling the guy to do it for the sake of the sifatayder for tefillin, the guy is doing it for his own interests. Not for the interest of the person who hires him. Anything which has to be done lishma, for example, uh, tying the uh, tying the strings of a tzitzis or writing a, a, a get. If a guy does it, puzzle it's puzzle. However, mezuzah, the the parchment does not need to be processed for the sake of the mitzvah. Therefore, apparently, a guy may do so. So the idea here is that is that when a Jew does something for the sake of a mitzvah, the motivating energy behind his his action is the fact that what he's doing is going to serve the purpose of a mitzvah. So therefore, there's a connection between his behavior and the resulting mitzvah or what he's doing. So therefore, it's considered lishma. When a guy does something, by definition, there's no relationship between uh, what he's doing and the uh, the mitzvah intent. The guy does what he does because it serves whatever purpose serves him. So the fact that what he's doing is going to result in a parchment written for sefer Torah is not not uh, not uh, not linked. It's not connected to the behavior which he does. He does the behavior for it serves his purpose. And the resulting outcome is whatever the outcome is uh, in terms of the the person taking the sefer Torah and writing it. But that is that is not connected to his action. His action is the motivating action behind his behavior is the interest that serves him, and therefore he may he cannot do something which requires something to be done lishma for the sake of a mitzvah. Lachayud base. 
In other words, the guy's behavior and the mitzvah outcome always remain two separate things. It's not considered lishma. Lachin beis. Lachin beis. Shemayim is a lach. It's a tradition of Mashiach. From Asinai. She encourages the sefetayda. The mezuzah. You must write a sefetayda only or mezuzah only with parchment that has lines embedded into it. You don't make the lines with ink, but you mark them with the indentation. Tefillin do not require that. The sirtut, the indentation. Uh, or, 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 or which which is also translated as being ruled, R U L E D, which means that it has lines. Because since they're covered and you don't see them, then it doesn't, it's not as, as crucial that, that the writing be perfect. Mezuzah also is covered, however, mezuzah um, is supposed to be taken out and checked occasionally, whereas tefillin, technically speaking, don't require checking. You're allowed to write film by heart. Everyone knows these parishes by heart. It's been to write even one letter without looking in the uh, original text to make sure you write it correctly. You'd gimbal. Yisrofer must be burned. Now the Rambam here writes apikaris, but there's other uh, manuscripts which say the word min. And it's significant because Apicarius believes in Hashem. He doesn't believe, however, in the divinity and the truth of Torah. And Min is someone who does not believe in Hashem even. He does not uh, believe in Hashem exists, or he believes in two Hashems, or Hashem is a body, etc. So a, a, a typical uh, uh, conservative Jew uh, who believes in Hashem, but does not believe in, in the true divinity of the Chumash, according to the manuscript edition that says Min, he would be kosher to write a Sefer However, according to Argus, which is Apicarius, would not be kosher. Kosher and kosher if a guy writes a sefer a Yisrael mumu or a Jew for that matter who converts to another religion, or a Jew who gives Jews or their property over to the government or to a, a bully, a mafioso, or a slave, a Asia or a woman, a cut or a minor, these are not qualified to write a sefer Torah, and therefore the sefer Torah uh, should be written, put in Shemus. We don't burn it because we don't know for sure if it was written as uh, um, uh, heretical concepts, but uh, because they're not qualified to write a potato, we entomb it, we uh, put it in Seamus. And it's put in Seamus to make sure nobody uses it uh, as a kosher potato. I, I, I wonder if it's okay to uh, cut it in five pieces and make it and make five separate chumashim out of it, in which case it also won't uh, be used as a potato. Alright. Shinam and Pasuk says, you shall, you shall tie that tefillin on your arm, and you shall write them. Whoever is obligated to tie tefillin on their arm and believes in the holiness of it can write tefillin in a sefer mezuzah. Uh, or can write tefillin, and then we, we, can, we learn from there to also mezuzah sefer uh, Now, of course, a woman and a, and, a, and a minor and a slave have no obligation to wear tefillin, therefore they cannot write tefillin or a sefer or mezuzah. Um, as far as a, uh, a, 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 a apostate Jew or a Jew who gives Jews over to the government, those are both believed to be people who don't uh, believe in the divinity of Torah. If you find this in the hand of an Apicurus, someone who does not believe in, in, the, in the eternity and the truth of Torah, you don't know who wrote it though. put because we don't know if it's kosher or not kosher. Therefore, we don't burn it. We don't use it either. It's found in the house of a guy, in the hand of a guy. Shame we assume it's kosher because we don't assume the guy who wrote the Sefer Torah probably got it from, he probably stole it from a shul or from somebody else, therefore it's kosher. 
However, if you're going to buy it from him, you don't buy it from any exorbitant price, more than its basic worth. Because then he's going to become get in the habit of being enticed to steal them and sell them to make a large profit. You dollar. Save a terrorist film as those just cost him. I'll give him a If you order save a terrorist film as those on the skin of an animal, on the skin of a non kosher animal, or on 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 skin that was not worked properly where it was worked into parchment however it was not done for the purpose of a mitzvah you randomly bought parchment from the store from a goyish store or you order to see on it hey look soon these are considered unacceptable they're not kosher and therefore they are just considered regular chumash did not have the proper intention at the time he wrote it so he's writing this Sefetayda without the proper Kavana that he's doing for the Mitzvah. Because of Askara, Askara is from Himmelishman, and then he ends up writing Hashem's name without the awareness of the, his writing in the Kedusha of Sefetayda. So in the Sefetayda is puzzle. to imply that that's only Hashem's names. The rest of the words in the Torah do not require one to write them with the awareness that is being done for the sake of, of the mitzvah of, of Sefetayda. Only Hashem's name are, are required to have that kavanah. Uh, if uh, even a Jewish king greets him, a uh, non-Jewish king would be different because your life may be in danger. But a Jewish king greets him, he should not respond. If he's writing Hashem's name two or three times in a row, he may interrupt between them and respond but not during writing them he has to keep his kavana his intention intact again that's only Hashem's name apparently but the rest of the other words in the Torah that are not Hashem's name uh, overtly uh, uh, may be written without intense kavana when one dips the ink into the ink well to write Hashem's name you should not start writing Hashem's name right away the reason for that is because since it has a lot of ink on it when you first dip it, you may, may, you may end up, uh, after writing Hashem's name or while writing Hashem's name, perhaps at the, last, the end of the last letter maybe, you'll have a large uh, uh, amount of ink will drip out of the, of the quill and you'll have to you know, wipe that away and then you'll end up erasing Hashem's name. So therefore, you start from, do not start from writing Hashem's name. Start from the letter before you know, when you have to dip and make sure you, you, you time yourself, schedule yourself to dip it in when you have a letter to write before Hashem's name. At that point, you already got some ink off the quill and then there's no reason to worry about this happening. You forgot to write Hashem's name. You can write it between the lines. To write Hashem's name partially in the line, partially above the line, that's a problem. That makes the cemetery not kosher. It's not respectful of Hashem's name. However, other words, if you forgot to write that word, then you can sort of squeeze a part of the word in the line, and part of it you, you do above the line. What does this apply regarding regarding You may not even let one letter uh, hang between the lines. If even one letter was uh, forgotten, you have to put whatever you wrote in Shemus or write a new one. Because you have to write in order and you cannot write out of order. You are allowed to write Hashem's name over an area where there was something else written and it was scrubbed off or rubbed out. 
uh, doing so is not considered an affront to Hashem's name, even though it's not the crisp, fresh uh, place on the parchment. Good time. Those who write sefatoritas, tefillin mezuzas, also the hemel hapech ayuri al panel. If you, uh, they have to leave while they're writing, they may not leave the uh, letters exposed. That's that's uh, not respectful. Similar to the idea that we get not to leave a safer open when you're when you're not learning from it. However, you're also not allowed to to, to flip it over uh, to uh, uh, letters being face down. It's not it's not, not, not 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 honorable. Rather, you fold it or you spread a cloth over it. What happens if you have a sefer that after you paid the sefer and, and he gave it to you, uh, and you have it now? He says, "You should know I did not write Hashem's name in the uh, in the sefer and the whole sefer is not kosher now." So, haha, jokes on you. You paid me, and now you don't have a kosher, kosher sefetera. Um, the halacha is not believed to uh, be pasalit. And we'll explain why in a minute. He is believed to lose his entire wage. So, you don't have to pay him anything, and if you, if you paid him, you could demand reimbursement, you could demand a refund. Why is not believed to pasalit? And seemingly, if he says, I, I didn't write them the Shema, and he's going to lose all of his money for doing so. Why would he lie about that? He doesn't have anything. Any, he, 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 he has a lot to lose. So the answer is Perhaps there's a good chance that he decided to just uh, uh, cause a loss to the person who uh, who's buying it from him or the person who hired him. And the reason why, so he's, so he's thinking I can cause this guy. I don't like. I don't like this guy. I'm going to cause him a huge loss. That he's not going to be able to use the sefer Torah, even though now you ask why would the sefer do that? He's going to forfeit his wage. The answer is He's thinking, well, I'll only lose a few dollars, whatever money is worth the writing of Hashem's names. And since I'm telling them I did not write Hashem's names in the Shema, I don't get paid for writing Hashem's name. Okay, so that's that's uh, you know one percent or two percent of the sefer Torah I'm not getting paid for. The rest I got paid for. So um, instead of getting a thousand dollars. I'll get, you know, nine hundred and eighty dollars, and I'll lose twenty dollars. But I'll I'll make this guy lose the nine hundred eighty dollars. So he doesn't know he's losing his entire schar. Therefore, he may be very likely to do this kind of trick, but it's not necessarily guaranteed. In fact, it's unlikely that he actually uh, 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 um, did not have any kavana in writing the uh, the uh, names of Hashem. If he says that the Sevater is not kosher, not because I did not have a Kavanah Hashem's name, I did not uh, work the, the leather, the skin, into, into parchment for the sake of the mitzvah. So because he's believed to lose the entire schar, he knows in doing so he's not getting paid a penny. Because everyone knows, as we'll uh, say, if he's believed to say it's possible, because everyone knows, if you don't work the skins, he has no, he gets no wage. And therefore, if he's saying that, willing to lose his entire wage, he also is being genuine about it, and the Savior is talking out kosher. You test. You only may write the Savior to the Mezuzah, excuse me, you only may write a Savior to the Mezuzah. In the Ksavashurus, the, the uh, Syrian script, which is the common Hebrew characters we have today, there are other types of characters, Ksav Ivri, 
But Ashuris um, uh, is the common one, and that's the only one kosher between them and Mezuzah. The petition was granted by the Chachamim to write the Sifatera in Greek as well. Um, not to write a, a, a not to write the words in Hebrew using Greek characters, but a translation. Now, does that mean that it has a kedusha of a Sifatera? That's not clear. Uh, however, the Rama says, regardless, the uh, uh, Greek language and its originality has been lost in the world, and it's you know become confused and it's it's irrelevant, it's lost. Uh, contemporary Greek, even in the times of the Rambam, was not the original Greek. Therefore, in you only may write even a all three of them and and in, in the Ksavashuris. You must be careful with the writing of these letters of the Sifatarian from Mezuzah. That one letter should not touch another. Because any letter that the uh, uh, that doesn't have parchment touching it, touching it in all its sides on the outside, puzzle is puzzle. So if one letter is touching another, another letter, there's a point of contact that, that's not surrounded by parchment, it's surrounded by ink. That's a problem. Any letter that a child who's not a particularly smart but not particularly foolish is unable to recognize and 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 uh, and, uh, and and read that letter, puzzle is puzzle because it means it's too different from its original form. Therefore, one must be careful with the image that forms the letters. Yud should not resemble a vav. All these letters should not resemble each other, and they, they are similar, and uh, slight changes can make them resemble each other. Similarly applies to all situations, all the letters, to the point that the person reading it must be able to do so fluently without difficulty. Or if you have a hole in the in the leather in this in the parchment, you should not write on the hole. Now this means, for example, uh, if you write write a uh, uh, a base over the hole, so the bottom part of the base will uh, cover the hole, and there'll be a hole in the bottom part of the base, but it'll be surrounded on all sides. Nevertheless, you should not write over that hole because it's going to be a hole in the letter. That's not ideal. And if it's such a small hole that the ink passes over it and does not create an actual hole, it's not considered a hole, but you may write on it. You may write on the skin of a bird that has been processed. That's, that's obviously a kosher bird, um, even if it has many holes where the feathers were. Um... Today it's not uh, not common to use uh, parchment from birds. If after you wrote it properly, then the parchment got a hole in it. If the uh, the hole is inside the letter, for example, inside the, the inside the center of the hay or the mem, so it doesn't affect the ink. Similarly, doesn't affect any other letter where the hole is there, but it doesn't actually impact anything about the ink. 
so the part that's missing doesn't take any any ink with it. It's just parchment which is missing. Kasher is kasher, even though it's maybe a, a hole that that actually touches the inside of the letter. We said before it has to be surrounded on all sides with parchment. That's the outside. The inside is not required, and, and therefore hole is kasher. Of course, if there's ink on the inside, that's a problem because the letter is not formed properly. What if there's a hole in the bottom of the letter, the point that actually separates that bottom of the letter to the rest of the letter? If the rest of the letter remains, resembles at least a small letter, for example, a yud, and the, vav, the leg of the vav is missing, kasher is still kasher. But who, that provides, if, that, if the small part which remains, actually makes it, because of the hole, it suddenly now causes it to resemble a completely different letter. It doesn't look like a vav, with a leg missing that has the resemblance of a yud, it actually looks a completely different letter, even with the hole and, and, and the part that remains below the hole. Um, if the part that remains doesn't even resemble, even resemble a small letter, so in that case it is possible.